Listening to the Oz Movies Podcast only on the Oz Network. Welcome back to the Oz Network for week number two of Canada versus Australia Month. And we are really on polar opposites here from Swing and Safari last week, or are we? Um, we've got another fairly dirty movie lined up for you here. <laughs> As we are going way back in our time machine to 1988. And uh, a movie that two decades in a row has landed on the top 10 best Canadian films of all time list from uh, arguably one of Canada's, maybe Canada's most acclaimed filmmaker, David Cronenberg, the man who brought you Scanners, Videodrome, Eastern Promises, A History of Violence, the Jeff Goldblum version of Fly. He brings us Jeremy Irons and Jeremy Irons in Dead Ringers. A movie about gynecology, twins, drug addiction, and a lot of sex. And boy, did I get an education in this movie, Ben. (laughs) Leave it up to the Canadians to finally set me straight on the whole fighting versus sex thing from the last year's Canada versus uh, Australia month. Uh, as soon as I, I had never seen this movie before. We're going to, we're going to have a lot to discuss here, but as soon as I started watching it, I'm like, this will be an episode. (laughs) I, 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 I kind of have an idea where Ben's opinion is going to go on this, but we'll see. Uh, let's get into it. My name is Colin, an amusing lay, but not much more. And my name is Ben. And will you have sex with us in our bathtub? It's an experiment. <laughs> but b- very important note on that scene there. We're going to get to it as soon as this movie starts. But uh, I said last week and previous weeks, I had never seen this movie before. I was debating about several movies that I wanted to do. I didn't want to go too dark. I wanted to go. Good job. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's just say this is actually pretty light for a Canadian movie. Like that's the thing Um, I I had wanted to do that. Probably Canada's two most acclaimed uh, favorite directors are Adam Agoyan, who made a movie called the sweet hereafter in the nineties. And he became the first Canadian to ever get nominated for an Academy award for best director. Uh, And, David Cronenberg, who I guess throughout the 80s was like a cult favorite for horror sci-fi movies uh, and, you know, has branched off and done so many other things like more recently with Eastern Promises and History of Violence, a lot of crime dramas. Uh, But it's really those two guys. I'm like, I have to pick an Adam McGoyan or David Cronenberg movie. Now, I'm a huge David Cronenberg fan, and he has some weird movies. Uh, This is not even the weirdest movie he's ever made. It may be in the top three, but it's not even the weirdest movie he's ever made. Probably not in the top three, to be honest. <laughs> we'll get into those in future years. This is a middle-of-the-road David Cronenberg movie, but it was one of the few ones I'd never seen. And then I started watching this movie, and I had a flashback in one of the opening scenes that you quoted there, uh, being a child and tuning into something on TV and seeing that very scene. And it stuck with me my entire life. I'm like, what was that movie? Because I remember seeing that and be like, I don't think I'm allowed to watch this and changing the channel. But I have at least the first few minutes of Dead Ringers, uh, a history with this movie. That's all I have with this movie. This was my first time watching it. And I have to say, um, I, I know we're going to disagree on this. This is a weird movie. It is a very uncomfortable movie. But there is something that I could not turn away from watching this. It is so bizarre. It's so... Jamie was the same way. I mean, Jamie, you know she's going to be into this. It's Jeremy Irons and Jeremy Irons is gynecologist. I mean, that's <laughs> dream for Jamie. But there's something so unpredictable about this movie that I could not stop watching because every time I thought I had it figured it out, 
they did something completely different. And there is something odd about this movie. It's it's uncomfortable though. <laughs> you're you're so Colin that even as a kid you're watching a TV show where you're thinking there's something <laughs> bad. Oh, I shouldn't be watching this. This is inappropriate for me. I better turn it off. Like I was complete opposite. If I saw something that I thought I shouldn't be, oh, boob, sex, wicked. Let's <laughs> let's watch it. I said, I said, I said, child, I actually meant 21, but okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Actually, no, he meant during this episode that he was recording for. Um, I mean, look, you sell this movie so well. It's about gynecologists. It's about sex. There's attractive twin prostitutes. Like I'm down like Jeremy Irons. I mean, what's not to love about this movie on paper? And then I watched it. Um, I look, you know what this movie reminded me of? And you're going to like go, where am I getting this from? This reminded me of Zardoz. I'm like, what's going on? I don't... I still am trying to work out what this movie is about. So Jeremy Irons is a twin. They're doctors. They invent mm-hmm. things that help gynecological Fertility. things. Yep. They meet a starlet. They pretend... like they, they swap partners to have sex with them. One of them gets addicted to drugs and then they end up dying in each other's arms. Yes. Is that it? Okay. Yeah, it's not it's not ten words, but it's it's as good as you're gonna do with Dead Ringers. <laughs> like, I'm gonna be honest with you, like I started watching this movie and like I'm going, okay, these opening credits are weird, cool. Um, and then like you've got little boys like, hey, do you wanna have sex that's in a bathtub? Fuck off, I'm telling my dad. <laughs> um, okay, sure. And then it like goes skip, skip, skip to Malou. And then like within 20 minutes, I'm going, oh, this movie must have been going for like three hours. It's been going for 20 <laughs> minutes. I'm like, no, Ben, don't go on your phone. No, Ben, keep watching this movie. Something's going to happen. <laughs> I, I probably only paid attention to about 35 minutes of this film and still didn't understand it. Um, <laughs> I like, and can I just say, like, I don't think I've ever seen a David Cronenberg film before. I also, I think I saw The Fly as a kid. I don't really remember it. Um, I saw the word crash on here and I'm like, he didn't do crash. I'm realizing it's a different crash. Um, oh, yeah, that's that's one of his weirder movies. Can, can I just point out, is this guy like really up himself? Because like you look at the poster of this movie and generally when you see a poster of the movie, it's got like Jeremy Irons, you know, or like Meryl Streep, like the star of the movie. This movie has his name almost as big as the movie title on it. Like well, David Cronenberg's Dead Ringers. Like seriously, dude, like, yeah. is, this, is this movie called David Cronenberg? Like, like, here's the thing. David Cronenberg is a huge cult favorite director, but especially in Canada, like that name carries a lot of weight. Uh, I didn't even realize this. I thought, you know, oh, he got a major Hollywood star to do a Canadian movie. This was Jeremy Irons breakthrough. Nobody really knew who Jeremy Irons was before this movie. This put him on the map. Um, now, the thing you mentioned about Cronenberg's name on it isn't even an unusual thing. Look up the poster for uh, I think it's, it's his most recent movie or one of his most recent movies, Cosmopolis. There's a movie with Robert Pattinson that he made. It was probably the first person who gave Robert Pattinson a dramatic break, uh, you know, after Twilight broke through. Do you want to spell uh, that? You'll for notice C C O S. That's a big word, C- Colin. <laughs> C O S M O P O L I S. All right. <laughs> uh, poster Pattinson Cronenberg. Wow. Not even David Cronenberg. This guy has a big ego. <laughs> Well, but here's the thing. I mean, there are a few directors you get who, I mean, and again, that's not a David Cronenberg thing. That would be a marketing department. There are a few directors who their names carry that weight. You know, Spielberg's one. David Cronenberg's not like a mainstream, mainstream director. But if you run through his filmography pre-Dead Ringers, 
all of them are movies, if you've never seen them, you've heard of them as like these massive cult favorites, like The Brood, Scanners, Videodrome, The Fly, you know? Uh, he has this huge following where people will go see a movie because David Cronenberg made it. And they know they're going to get something bizarre. Like, you, you know, you think this movie's weird. Crash, I mean... <laughs> People, people getting off on car crashes and then having sex after crashing cars. I mean, that's essentially the movie. Naked Lunch. Uh, pe- people using insecticide as a drug and hallucinating. Uh, <laughs> existence. Uh, the Matrix on heroin. Let's is call it that. Is okay? Like, is this guy neat? Like, I mean, <laughs> I feel worried for this guy listening to what his movies are about and that his name's so big on posters. Like, I get it. Like, Steven Spielberg, yeah, it sells a movie, but... I don't think I see like Jaws, Spielberg, Jaws. Like, <laughs> that big. This guy, well, like, I feel like we need to he, call him up and see if he's okay. He's an actor too. Like he, he's primarily a director, but he's one of these directors that is famous enough that people will cast movies. Um, the one that I remember him best from was he had a role in Alias years ago. Uh, and, you know, whoever, J.J. Abrams or whoever was running Alias at the time was a huge fan of David Cronenberg. And they'd written an episode that felt very David Cronenberg-like. So they cast David Cronenberg as a mad scientist in a David Cronenberg-style episode. <laughs> so, uh, and again, maybe it's just going to be more of a Canadian thing that, uh, or more of a, you know, I guess, a film buff type thing where people know the name of David Cronenberg. But that's not unusual at all. If, when I saw Cronenberg's name on there, I'm like, that makes sense. That's what's going to sell a movie here. He, I mean, he was in this movie, apparently. I didn't even notice it. Um, I mean, good for him. He has some weird taste. Can we also just point out, Jill Hennessy um, yes. in this movie. <laughs> that was my favorite yeah. part of the movie. <laughs> Mine too. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Not just Jill Hennessy, Jill and Jacqueline Hennessy. Oh, yes, and only Twins. one of them went on to star in Crossing Jordan, coming soon to the Oz <laughs> Network. <laughs> Whatever um, happened to Crossing Jordan? Where's the reboot of Crossing <laughs> Jordan? Come on. Was that there's Jerry O'Connell on that one too? Oh, who knows? It was Crossing Jordan. Do people remember that show? Um <laughs> Jill Hennessy was. I, I, Leslie Bibb! Uh, <laughs> 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 I actually like Leslie Bibb. Um uh, no, Jerry O'Connell, uh, at least if he was, he wasn't a main star. Um yeah, I, I thought Jerry. Okay. Yeah, no, he's on here. Yeah, I see him on one of the posters. Uh, maybe he wasn't with the show the whole time. Uh, Miguel Ferrer. We really should look at the cast oh, for this. Jerry Miguel Connell, Ferrer. Miguel yeah. Ferrer. Uh, that guy. Um, oh, okay. I know who he is now. I see the picture of him. <laughs> I'm like, so don't I, I, know are the you, face. <laughs> are you not uh, a Crossing Jordan fan? I mean, I'm not a huge Crossing Jordan fan, but I remember watching the show and being Honestly, like, yeah, this is interesting. The, She's the thing nice. That I find like. <laughs> With any TV era, right, you've got, like, these shows that all blend together. And to me, the early 2000s was kind of before we had this crime show, like, let's have a quirky crime thing. It was more of a a female-led sort of ensemble that, like... Remember how we used to joke about, like, Jesse in Veronica's closet? Like, it was like, let's get an 80s star and turn him into sitcom. To the early 2000s, you have, like, Judging Amy, Providence, mm-hmm. Crossing Jordan. Like, it's fronted by a female star. And, like, they were all fine, but they all kind of looked the same. <laughs> like, yeah. what's a face from Providence who went on to be in CSI New York, right? Like, I liked her. I liked that show. Amy Brenneman. I love Amy Brenneman. And then Crossing Jordan, Jill Hennessy. Like, but they've all kind of the long, curly, dark hair. Like, yeah. they all kind of... Was that a Felicity effect? Because I feel like that Felicity, <laughs> like, thing maybe... Like, you think about it, they're all the same show. Then the mid-2000s, like, Mallory's like, oh, I'm going to watch House. And I'm like... Cool. And then it's like, oh, I'm going to watch Numbers. 
I'm like, isn't that the same <laughs> show? Like, you've got slightly quirky medical guy and some unrealistic thing. Like, oh, I can solve crimes by using numbers. Yeah, I'm sure you can, mate. Um, <laughs> I love numbers. Lay off numbers. Um, what else was there at anyways. the same time? Like, lie to me and bones and castle. <laughs> well, that's kind of different. But they're all the same show. <laughs> it's American TV. That's American TV for you. Um but no, I mean, I, I am kind of excited to talk about this this movie because, again, there's certain things I can't quite put my finger on. But more than anything, I think if we were to have covered this and it wouldn't have been Canada Australia Month, I, I wouldn't have been as enthusiastic. Uh, I, I certainly am not going to go out of my way to watch uh, this movie again. <laughs> it is a hard movie. Uh, but I can see where the cult following of this movie is. It's just so different, I think, from what I expected. And Jeremy Irons alone. I mean, you got to love what Jeremy Irons does in this movie. Uh, but interestingly enough, David Cronenberg, when he's making it now, this movie's very loosely based on a true story. Uh, and there was a book made of the true story. And David Cronenberg adapted that book. This movie was called Twins, Twins uh, which is what the book was called. <laughs> but... <laughs> It came out in 1988, and there's another famous movie about twins that came out in 1988, also made by a Canadian, Ivan Reitman. And I guess Ivan Reitman had uh, given dating, like way back in the day, Ivan Reitman had worked with David Cronenberg, and he politely asked David Cronenberg if he could change the title of his movie because he wanted to use twins for the Arnold Schwarzenegger, Danny DeVito one. And David Cronenberg is like, yeah, whatever, because you know Ivan Reitman was a friend of his, so he picked Dead Ringers. Dead Ringers, probably a better title for this movie than Twins. Uh, Twins, probably a better title for that movie than Dead Ringers, but a uh, little bit of history there. The true story of this, uh, it's actually closer than I thought it would be, which is disturbing. <laughs> which actually makes it, I'm just reading quickly here about it, that makes this movie better knowing this is kind of a true story. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, yeah, look, I would never watch this movie again in my life. Um, <laughs> I, I'm still trying to understand it. It, it kind of... It's not quite on the same page as a like a, like my sister likes these weird you know Donnie Darko's Eternal Sunshine Spot those sort of movies that I'm just like I'm too dumb to understand right like mm-hmm. um, this isn't on those level but it kind of is like I don't know it's just well no yeah funny you mentioned that because when I was watching this I'm trying to think like this is not your typical David Cronenberg movie it has kind of like the erotic thriller part of Crash uh, it's got a little bit of that like weird uh, moody psychological uh horror thing where it's not outright horror it's more psychological which is typical of him but i was trying to pinpoint like what does this movie remind me of and the two things that came to my mind were a not really sci-fi but i guess a straight psychological thriller version of something like donnie dark or eternal sunshine the spotless mind and this movie was not (laughs) yeah there you go but this movie was not like you know incredibly well received when it first came out i mean it was in canada not really anywhere else but if you look over the years this has developed a massive following and maybe that massive following came about because of that early 2000s all those other movies blend together donnie darko eternal sunshine can i just point out too that people always gone about someone like paul rudd Tom Cruise, you know, never aging. Does Jeremy Irons ever age? Like, why is he not oh. in the conversation? This guy still looks exactly the same as he did like 30 years ago. He's looking great. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And he's out right now. What a man. What a beautiful James, man. Do, now, I'm guessing James, Mallory did not watch this with you. No, no. Mallory was tucked up in bed watching Below Deck Mediterranean, whatever <laughs> that show she watches. <laughs> below Deck Mediterranean? I know. That- they're on a boat and they're below the deck and it's in the Mediterranean. It's, it's it, pretty it sounds exciting. like. 
I was gonna say it sounds like porn, but okay. Well, pretty much every time I watch it, there's like you know some attractive man and some attractive woman flirting, and the next minute you cut to like a night vision scene and here, ah, ah. It's 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 like the Kardashians on a boat, basically. <laughs> <laughs> it's dumb. It's wow, so I'm stupid. sold. We're covering it. Yeah, it's, uh, it's really but- stupid. I got Jamie to watch this movie by saying Jeremy Irons in it. She said, who's Jeremy Irons? I said, Alfred from Justice League. And she's like, I'm in. Uh, when I don't even know if we talked about it in the Justice League episode, but uh, Jamie's rankings of the DC men pretty much go Henry Cavill, uh, Jason Momoa, Ben Affleck, and Jeremy Irons. And she's, she puts Jeremy Irons in the same boat as those other guys. I'd like to be in a boat with those guys. Um, I actually didn't realize that he's an Academy Award winner. There you go. Look at me not knowing my history. Good on you, Jeremy was it Irons. A reversal of Fortune. It was. Best actor in 1990. Yeah. So, um, wow. It makes me like him even more. When they've got an Oscar, you're a better person. Yeah. Uh, we should get into the movie here. I don't have much else history to talk about with this movie. Um, the true story, maybe we'll touch on it a little bit. But uh, one other thing I quickly want to talk about is just over the opening credits, as you, uh, you, you mentioned there, uh, Howard Shore does the music for this movie. Now, Howard Shore would go on years later to do the Lord of the Rings movies, the Hobbit movies, everything Peter Jackson ever did, multiple-time Academy Award nominee uh, winner, and uh, a man who actually started doing the uh, the music for Saturday Night Live in the 70s, by the way. Uh, so another proud Canadian, uh, proud export of Canada, Howard Shore. Uh, and this movie does have an interesting score. It definitely sounds very Howard Shore, like, Howard Shore score-like, uh, if you want to say that. Howard Shore score-like. Score-like, yes. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Say that a few more times. <laughs> uh, one's all I got in me. <laughs> Just like viewings of Dead Ringers, one's all I got in me. But uh, you mentioned the opening scene. You have the two twins as little boys having a very sophisticated conversation about, have you heard about sex? And it's, they got their British accents. Which, this is you Canadian. every day. This is you to Jamie. <laughs> have you heard about sex, Jamie? What is this sex thing I'm talking about? Uh, and at the end of their conversation, you, you they see a little girl like you 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 thinking what I'm thinking? Yes, it's, they go up to the little girl. Will you have sex with us in a bathtub? Uh, it's it's weird. It's it's funny. It's 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 funnier than anything else we'll see. Actually, there's a lot of humor in this movie. I found, but uh, this scene, the reason that I stopped on this now, I was flipping through the channels. Now, back in the day, we didn't have like the digital TV guide where you hit a button and it shows you what the show is. Uh, and we had movie channels. This is when we first moved into Winnipeg and first time we ever had cable, to be honest. So every day was let's flip through channels and see what's on. And the little girl that's in this scene, she, I recognized her because she was on uh, a TV show also with Jerry O'Connell, um, great Canadian TV show called My Secret Identity, which was like every little boy's dream show uh, about, it. it's about a teenager. Jerry O'Connell played a teenager who got superpowers uh, but it's it's more, I mean, it's not a realistic show, but it's essentially what would be realistic if a teenager had superpowers. Half the time, he wouldn't be trying to solve crimes. He'd be, you know, floating around trying to spy on girls and stuff. But he used, like, spray cans to fly because he could levitate, but he couldn't, like, propel himself. So th- the image was always him with, like, these deodorant cans or Lysol cans propelling himself through the air. Really fun show. Loved that show growing up. But this little girl played his sister. So when I was flipping through channels, I'm like, they've got my secret identity on here. And then all of a sudden I hear, would you have sex with us in a bathtub? Probably didn't even know what sex was. Just knew that's not a word. Do that, that it doesn't exist, kids. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, instantly turned the channel. Uh, I, now, I watched it, Alex Mack. That was my show. Was that a superhero show? She had powers. She could morph into like liquid. Did you never watch The Secret Life of Alex I've never Mack? seen it. Oh, no, I, mean, so I, heard, she, like, I heard about it. 
she got like um she walked past a chemical plant and got like covered in chemicals pretty standard really um yeah. and instead of dying she could like then basically turn into liquid like um and terminator and she could then oh. she could uh like use the force she could move things and i think she could shoot lightning <laughs> from her fingers um and i oh. was madly in love with her what was her name Alyssa something or other that was a great show <laughs> oh I sh- I can't believe I didn't watch it. I probably saw the name for it and assumed it was some type of like girly show, oh, and never gave it a was. shot. Who cares? It sounds great. Secret world of Alex <laughs> Max. Sorry, not secret life. Uh, Larissa Olinick, or whatever her name is. Yeah, I liked her. Wow, the the famous. Yeah, uh, she, she was in <laughs> Ten Things I Hate About You, and I think she was in Third Rock from the Sun for a while. Um, oh wait, wait. Um, so she's the was she the sister in uh, Ten Things I Hate About You? She, because um, I remember this. Yeah, the sister in Ten Things I Hate About You was like Joseph yeah, Gordon-Levitt's yeah, 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 girlfriend on Third Rock. Yeah, 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 yeah. okay, yeah, because yeah. they yeah, played. She's the, fun. They were like um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, right? They like basically yeah. were on the same show, and yeah, no, that's her. But I don't think she's done anything since like 1999. So, um, oh, she was in the Babysitters Club. Colin, come on, we used to always watch that as boys. Did she ever do a guest spot on Crossing Jordan? Well, if she didn't, she missed out. Uh, <laughs> Did she ever do a guest spot on Providence, judging Amy? <laughs> uh, Malcolm in the Middle, does that count? <laughs> oh, close. <laughs> Mike and Molly, um, she was on Extant. I like that show. Um, she was on Law yes. and Order's Special Victims Unit. Wow. She was also <laughs> on the 2019 stage show called Miss Lily Gets Boned, where she played Miss Lily. <laughs> Wait, wait, how, to the Oz Network. How, how is that not on your hard drive already? <laughs> well, certainly hard somewhere. Um, yep. Do you know Jerry O'Connell was in Kangaroo Jack? Oh, God. I'd like to black that out, Colin. Australia doesn't like to talk about that movie. That movie doesn't exist. Neither does Jerry O'Connell. Come on. He's like the uh, so Ryan Felipe. Come on. Like, you know, who wants to talk you know, about I- him. I love Jerry O'Connell. Um, I don't know. Maybe he, it wasn't a Canadian show, but he did a show called Sliders. And maybe because of the My Secret Identity, he had a bigger following in Canada. That show Sliders that he did was huge here in Canada. Uh, and then um, Jerry Maguire. I mean, gotta love him and Jerry Maguire. You know, actually, so funny. Just really quickly, I know we will talk about this movie. Sure, these <laughs> we um, talk more Jerry about Jerry Irons, O'Connell whatever. than Jerry um, Irons. I, I mentioned Ryan Felipe. He randomly comes up in conversation the other day, as he does every like eighteen years. It's like a thing. Um, <laughs> because I told you off air, we watched Walk the Line, and then yeah. Mallory and I like, oh, I like Reese with a spoon. Yeah, me too. And I'm like, isn't she married to someone famous? So like, I googled it, and I was like, oh, she was married to Ryan Felipe for like nine years, and they've long been divorced. <laughs> there you go. That's how she's like famous somewhere. So, you know, we have our uh, uh, quota for every single episode in a year. We also have a quota for one Ryan Phillippe mention per year. Uh, so, Oh, and speaking it, of quotas, uh, Tanya Roberts, dead. Oh, uh, so sad. I hate uh, it. Every time that happens, I, I, I die a oh, little Oh, actually, inside. sorry. No, alive. Oh, brought back to life. Uh, there is hope again in this world. Actually, no, sorry. Uh, dead. Oh, come on. <laughs> How many times can you do this to us, Tanya? <laughs> you know what I have to say to that with a brand new thing on this show? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, that the, is our new co-host, the replacement for Noah, the, the good day good button. Day button. <laughs> Let's try that again, shall we? Cool. All right. Rob has a podcast, has a bell. We have a good day button. 
Uh, I cool. feel like th- this being Canada, I should get the equivalent because Canada, Australia. I mean, I feel I'm being overpowered here. <laughs> Just get something that says sorry. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. 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 Hello, Gretzky. Those Canucks. Uh, <laughs> Gretzky. Messier. Go Leafs go. Yeah. <laughs> Leafs can't win a Stanley Cup, eh? <laughs> uh, Leafs can beat the Jets, though. <laughs> okay. Lions can't. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> we made the Canucks. It's all that matters. Uh, so, anyways, <laughs> this won't be a long episode. We are one scene in. <laughs> the whole movie is just one scene, isn't it? Right? Like it's oh, I'm a twin. Oh, well, I want to have sex. Oh, I'm on drugs. Uh, they they flash forward very quickly, as you said. They go from them being kids to them studying gynecology. And doing something wrong, I guess. I didn't quite get what that scene was about. And then immediately flashes forward to present day, 1988. And uh, they're practicing gynecologists. Uh, it is quite difficult to follow what's going on here. Like, they don't spell it right out. But essentially through a series of scenes, you get that these twins are operating the same practice. But one basically does all the work and one takes all the credit. Uh, this spills over into the bedroom where one seduces all the women and then passes them along to his brother who can't get women on his own, this even though they're exactly identical how twins. the network works, by the way. One of us does all the work, one of us does the credit, and then one of us gets the women <laughs> and one of us... Like... <laughs> it's very oh, close Noah. to home, this movie. Could we just throw Noah a bone then? Like... <laughs> he needs a bone. He can't get <laughs> one. He can't get Can a Noah just? Noah needs to throw somebody a bone. Come on. Um, yeah. I wonder if... Jill Hennessy's available uh, or Jacqueline, one of the two. But um, yeah, so not even too much we could even cover here. It's a lot of gynecological exams, a lot of talk about reproduction, fertility, uh, the innards of women, stuff that I was like, I'm regret. I instantly was like, I'm regretting picking this. I, I felt like messaging you 20 minutes in and being like, can I pick Eastern promises now? <laughs> Uh, but, uh, no, it does pick up a little bit because, uh, the, the does main, female, well, I think it does. Cause I mean, the, <laughs> the main female lead, uh, is introduced here. Who, um, who is, she? is who is the actress? Yeah. I don't think I've ever the, seen the her act- before. Well, I, I, she's before my time, but from what I understand, she's a fairly famous Canadian actress, uh, Genevieve Bujold, Genevieve Bujold, uh, say that three times fast yeah uh, yeah i guess she got she got an uh, oscar nomination uh, back in the no for yes for this uh <laughs> back in the late 60s for anne of a thousand days oh, uh she was what, in, a, what a movie yeah i mean she, it looks like she she you know kept up over the years uh it seems like a lot more of her movies uh, around the 80s or i guess 70s 80s were more canadian uh probably one of these actors who you know went back and forth between american and canadian movies but uh uh, she's still acting, it looks like. So good for um, her. Good on let's you. Let's get her on the show. Yeah. Ask her, uh, what is the inside of a mutant woman look like? <laughs> Please show us. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that escalated yeah, you know, quickly. Welcome to the Us <laughs> Network. Drop that that must have been one of the that must have been one of the the uh, parts you tuned out in this movie too. Uh, there is talk of mutant innards in this movie, Ben. I don't know. Yeah, if you I, did, that. I did notice that, but like, like, can I just point out? You like, you talk about this movie like it's the most dirtiest movie you've ever seen, right? Like, I'm sorry, Swinging well, Safari no, so was a hundred times dirtier than this. <laughs> I think the difference is that it, it's the tone of this movie. This movie is very 
very in your face with the things you don't want to see. You know? <laughs> uh, whereas Swinging Safari, they're making a joke out of it. There's nothing jokey about this movie. It is a very, I actually thought, I watched the trailer for this when I uh, was researching which Cronenberg movie I wanted to do and realized this is the one that seems to get the most acclaim. It's the one that's on like the top 10 Canadian films of all time list, you know, decade after decade. Uh, but I'd never seen it. I'm like, well, I got to pick this. I watched the trailer first. The trailer sells this more almost as like a funny thriller but they leave out a lot of this awkward stuff in the beginning here like i didn't uh, watch the trailer. i didn't do in like i i wanted to watch the trailer but i thought like no let's make this one of these movies where i know nothing about i don't blind. even like i maybe read the synopsis on wikipedia or something like that but just completely blind into it and i have to say like when i'm zoning out of this movie like about half an hour in i went to wikipedia and just read the whole plot and i still didn't even <laughs> get it when i read it i'm like oh he like disembowels him at the end cool this sounds interesting and then even that scene sucked this gives me a lot of hope for really messing you up in future years because again, this is pretty normal for a Canadian movie. We get a lot weirder than this. I just, I just love uh, it. This is Canadian movie tone. Weird sex kind of cool. mine. It's like yeah. boy bands and seventies like <laughs> fucking burning KFC on your body. Like this is the difference between Australia and Canada. Canada's like the nicest country in the world, but secretly they're dark and you know they want to disembowel yeah. people. Australia just oh, drunk and idiots who get into boy bands and have, <laughs> have kangaroo jack and fucking old men going to new york and with a knife <laughs> that's not a knife <laughs> uh by the way just uh interesting note here just clicking on genevieve bujold's uh wikipedia page when we're watching this movie jamie typically what jamie does when we're watching a movie is the female character what do you think of her right i don't know if mallory does the same thing with you yeah well she's uh, usually just... perving as much as i am so you know it's good. <laughs> yeah well you know jamie's perving but uh yeah she, she pointed out i'm like uh, i don't know i mean maybe 10 20 years earlier than this looking at her 10 20 years earlier than this like man she had it going on all right yeah. <laughs> she doesn't like like I, when you started saying this movie there were like twin prostitutes and sex i'm like sweet there's gonna be lots of boobs in this movie <laughs> like the only boobs you no, see it's are way more awkward yeah like, no. it's it's way more awkward than that <laughs> that was the fun thing i'm like i'm watching this movie i'm like oh man i can get ben really excited about this movie but there's gonna be a big let down <laughs> Like, like I will say, like it's good casting though, because like as I said, Jeremy Irons doesn't age, but like Jeremy Jeremy Irons kind of looks like a you know middle aged sort of man, right? Like he's not a young guy, and like yeah. this woman is not a young woman, so like it would have been awkward if you've got like Jill Hennessy as you know I would have much preferred it, but like I think <laughs> that the age range that they cast these people in it works, but like at the end mm-hmm. of the day, I kind of feel like I'm watching like I don't know my aunt and uncle like hook up, like you know I don't I don't. You know, I'm a perv, all right? Yeah. I'm equal opportunity <laughs> perv. And it's not just the women, it's the men. Like, Jeremy Irons, good-looking rooster, but, like, I'm maybe not floating around like Jamie is, you know? Like, yeah. You're telling me you and Jamie have different tastes than men? For once, apparently. Um, <laughs> you know, usually I'm on board with her, man. I mean, God, Colin, you're attractive, so what can I say? <laughs> um, I'm going to skip a lot of the stuff here. Uh, basically, the famous actress here, she has talked about having sex with everybody under the sun and never getting pregnant, which is why she's come to the doctors. Uh, she is seduced by, how am I, okay, Elliot is the confident Jeremy Irons. Beverly, uh, which they do make name. a point of, it is a woman's <laughs> name, it doesn't make him gay, by the way. Uh, they, uh, they make a point of mentioning that. Uh, that is the unconfident Jeremy Irons. Now, one thing? interesting note is... Sorry, sorry. What, name? I mean, Beverly? No, well, like, this is the thing. If you've got a woman's name, you're automatically gay. <laughs> well, I think that it's something he probably grew up hearing because he gets very sensitive about it. 
But yeah, it's it's weird that they just chose that as a quirk for the character. Maybe that's the reason why he's not as confident with women because like, what's your name, Beverly? It's like, and you've always been a man, <laughs> you know? Uh, but uh, yeah, this, they're sort of sharing her. She ends up with the unconfident Jeremy Irons, but doesn't realize it. That's the basic setup for the first third of this movie. Uh, now, one thing I did want to mention on Jeremy Irons' performance, which is, is, is incredible in this movie. I mean, if you take nothing else out of this, this is Jeremy Irons at his best. Like, I, I think you'd be hard-pressed to find a better Jeremy Irons performance, and this is his real starring breakthrough. Um, he did something very different, which is such a subtle thing. He wanted to be able to not only keep track of these characters, like, who are you playing? What is your performance like? But also carry himself in a different way. And literally all he did was he stood on the the ball of his heel, like of his foot, when he was playing Elliot, and he stood on kind of the, the his toes when he was playing Beverly, hmm. just for a different posture and as a way to mentally keep himself in check, I am this guy. Uh, so very small detail. I, I do like the fact, especially that since, you know, I have twins, uh, not that I've had twins, by the way, Ben, I have twins, well, <laughs> twin children. <laughs> Colin, ask me about that. You a good answer. Well, there's a story coming on here. Uh, it was Jill and Jacqueline Hennessy. Uh, <laughs> but um, like most people assume that twins are identical twins are identical. Our twins are identical twins, but we see them. They, they look completely different. There's ways you can tell them apart. Uh, but personalities with all twins I've met are completely different. Like you, you will rarely find two twins who have the exact same personality. So just as a father of twins, I appreciated this. Uh, it's funny, just as a quick sidebar uh, with, with our twins, uh, they're, they're, they're a few months behind because they're premature babies. They're, all twins are premature. Uh, but uh, Jamie was sort of commenting about how Remy, who's the bigger of the twins, uh, that he was talking a lot more than Casey. And she's like, I'm kind of concerned. Like Casey's not talking as much. Like, well, we never have a chance to work with them on talking too. And she's like, yeah, but Remy does this and Remy does this. And I, and she keeps pointing out as if Remy's like, oh, but Remy seems to be doing fine, but Casey isn't. And I said to Jamie, like, Jamie, in what world is this kid, the gold standard for normal in this family? As Remy has all of his fingers in his mouth. Oh, oh. <laughs> wow. And, and Remy earlier in the day had taken a banana peel out of the garbage and started eating it. So <laughs> that is our normal child. He learns but, from his uh, father. <laughs> yeah. Can I ask you a personal yeah. question, Colin? Sure. Um, as a parent, like, and don't deny that this isn't true because we all know parents secretly do have this. Um, who's your favorite of the three? My favorite. Okay. Th this is really my favorite is the quietest, which is Casey. Okay. <laughs> That's a real answer. <laughs> okay. I just wanted them to hear this in like 20 years time. Um, because but yeah, J Jamie and I were just discussing this. She was saying, do you remember like when Casey was six months old and he was doing this high pitched screeching thing all day, like 24 seven. I'm like, yes, don't remind me of that. Now at that point, Remy was my favorite. <laughs> <So> <laughs> Meanwhile, it all depends in the on the background going one day. I'll be the favorite. <laughs> It, it all depends on who's the quietest. Uh, but Does Jamie no, have a I'm favorite? Sure. I can imagine Jamie would admit, like, Colin, I just hate Remy. He's such a little shit. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, we, we should get her on the show and ask her that one of these days. Yeah. Um, but uh, Jamie's thing is never again. She's had it with children. <laughs> I still, never I still want to play some sort of bet on this show that you will have another child one day. Like, oh, I just, never I feel, again. I feel like this is this thing that will happen. Like my sister would say that all the time and look at her <laughs> popping out. Well, two, but um, 
<laughs> but hey, we've well, got I progress mean, with Mallory. Mallory, I'm never having kids. Nowadays, she's having a conversation with a friend the other day. Within two years, when we have a child, I was like, okay. Well, you imagine me with as on. a father? Like this is just wrong. Are you legally allowed to have children? Uh, depends on what country in which uh, jurisdiction. Uh, I believe, like, if I went to Laos, I probably could. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Uzbekistan, uh, maybe. <laughs> I think you should start her off on guinea pigs and see how she does with that first. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have no I have no doubts about Mallory, but you kind of concerning. Well, th- well this is the thing, right? Like, you know, I'm I'm married now. Well, how did this happen? This is just not <laughs> the world is weird in 2020. They allowed me to get married, so you had to get it in there before 2021 hit because yeah. we just had to make that year a little weirder. Yeah, I, I I was one of the ones at the Capitol, right? So you know, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that was <me>. too soon. <laughs> nah, not soon enough. By the time by the time this episode gets released, Biden's president. So you know, let's get the jokes in. I mean, we're be boring now in politics now that he's president. Come on. I, by the time this episode airs, Tanya Roberts is going to be alive again. So, oh, uh, by the time this episode airs, I was going to say Noah, Noah might have a date, but we know that's not true. No. And on that note, okay. <laughs> Anyways, um, so yeah, they're splitting the woman here. Uh, they, they have a feeling that um, this movie star actress that she will never have children, and. Um, uh, when when Jeremy Irons, uh, Beverly Jeremy Irons, the unconfident one, goes to see her, uh, of course, his brother has been there earlier in the day. And she even says, like, what did you do to me last night? I'm still vibrating all over. And he just says, I learned it from books. <laughs> I think there's, there is humor in this movie that I think you really miss. That's what Colin says um, to Jamie. I learned yeah. it in books. <laughs> uh, I actually use, whenever Jamie gives me a tip of compliment, uh, it, my response is always Ferris Bueller's response. Years and years of practice, you know? That's that's <laughs> the go-to answer for anything. <laughs> I wouldn't uh, know. I don't get it, compliments from Mallory. So <laughs> that's right. You get, compliments that. from, you get compliments from Good Day Button. Oh, yeah. Uh, that, the Good Day Button tells me that, well, that's appropriate. So. <laughs> Gary. Uh, Let's call him Gary. <laughs> Gary. Okay. Gary. <laughs> Gary. You have, to, you have to yell it, Gary. <laughs> Gary. For our Australian listeners, let's use the joke. Nice, Gary. There we go. No one else will get that. Uh, so anyways, the, he breaks it to her. She's never going to have children. Uh, and um, she talks about, oh, I've had sex with everybody. Uh, when, when he goes back and sees his brother, uh, they have this discussion. He says, if it wasn't for me, you'd still be a virgin. It's hard to say just brother. Okay, confident Jeremy Irons says, you'd still be a virgin without me. Uh, and then the movie star actress, what's going to set up the chain of events in this movie is she's basically hinting at wanting to get some pills uh, and even mentioning, I've heard that a lot of doctors uh, abuse drugs. Is that true? And Jeremy Irons is like, yes. <laughs> Do you? No. <laughs> uh, not for long, by the way. <laughs> she starts mentioning what this can do in sex. And uh, well, he prescribes her pills and starts taking it himself. Uh, which is going to escalate very quickly. Uh, th- another great one-liner. Again, you said no great one-liners in this movie. When he's mentioning to his brother the, the pills that he got her, he says she heard it makes her sex come along like Nagasaki. <laughs> uh, when that's, that's how it works, usually. Not Hiroshima, yeah. Nagasaki. Yeah, only Nagasaki, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, so when confident Jeremy Irons is realizing that his unconfident twin brother is getting too attached to her, 
he's worried that, uh, well, you know, how's she going to feel when she realizes that we're twins, that we've been playing her this whole time. He tells her basically to drop her. Uh, he claims that she's only hustling them for drugs. He says, no, she wouldn't do that. Uh, they have a conversation, unconfident Jeremy Irons, Beverly, Jeremy Irons, and uh, the movie star here, where she's asking about his name. This is what you mentioned, where she says, uh, why do you have a woman's name? It's not a woman's name. It's spelled differently. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's your brother's name? Miriam, spelled with an E and an I. <laughs> I do like See, that I actually line. like Yeah. Yeah, they, they, like this movie, if nothing else, there is some fantastic dialogue in this movie. Uh, and then uh, she she basically refers to him here when he freaks out to say, you're subtly schizophrenic. You're amusing, lay not much more. <laughs> that is great. I hear that a lot. Uh, now, <laughs> now, he's only mentioned that he has a brother. He hasn't mentioned it's a twin brother. It's identical or that they both slept with her under the same identity. Now, this is what the trailer makes this movie look like. There's the moment where she's meeting with this other older woman for lunch and she mentions dating the doctor and she says oh what about his twin brother and he says oh wait his brother's a twin and she has that line you mean there's two of them that's how the trailer ends and it sets it up like it's gonna be a movie about these two sexual predators who are sharing a women just all over the place and the women find out about this and it becomes like a thriller 100 thought not just because of the trailer even just the way this movie's presented that that's what this movie was going to be and I'm not saying I wouldn't have loved that movie, but again, I what I liked, a, I'm sure you would have mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, more sex, but uh, it, it's, it's the fact that this movie just keeps surprising me. I keep thinking I have it figured out and they go the exact opposite direction. And you know, whether it's a movie that's watchable or not, it's interesting. And I think that's what I appreciate here. Uh, so that's basically the setup for the rest of the movie. Uh, she confronts him about uh, the fact that they're twin brothers. You never told me you were twins. And he gets very uncomfortable. This is maybe Jeremy Irons best scene as Beverly in the movie where he's like, he's like scratching himself all over. He's like, you know, feeling his heart because it's pounding out of his chest. Cause he's like, I just got caught. How am I going to cover for this? He comes up with some awkward excuses where she's like, wait, so you said you and your brother weren't close. Do you live together? Uh, yeah, we live together. We both like Italian furniture. <laughs> That's all I can say. <laughs> yeah, that was weird. I didn't get that bit. We both like Italian furniture. Well, it's him basically trying to say, oh, I'm not close to my brother. We just both like Italian furniture. That's the only reason we live together because he claimed they weren't close. Uh, so she insists on meeting him. They have a very awkward lunch date where this is where the two characters playing at the same time are like so polar opposites uh, where uh, Elliot, confident Jeremy Irons, is just complete dick, uh, charming dick, but complete dick. And Beverly is just cowering the whole time. And she basically knows, she goes in. I thought again, that she was going to play along with this and they were going to keep trying to have their way with her and she'd get revenge on them. But she confronts them right away. And this is where the movie dealt kind of that curveball, where she's like, yeah, I know that you guys have both been sleeping with me. Which one was it first? Was it you, Beverly? Was it you, Elliot? Uh, and Elliot basically just, you know, uh, mouths off to her and uh, you know, she throws the drink in. Beverly's face storms out. Beverly cries. Elliot feels bad. He wants to uh, uh, go and explain it to her. And he says, no, don't worry. I'll talk to her. So set up for a lot of the bizarre stuff that's going to come later on. I think this is a pretty, I'm not going to say typical, uh, <laughs> pretty standard uh, character, psychological drama horror whatever genre this is at this point but it's going to get weirder from here one thing i just want to quickly add before i talk about the movie that i just don't even think i realize how funny actually is is in the background of your wall the way you've just got that picture of chewbacca on your wall when it's just like, yeah. <laughs> like it's not even a, a great picture of chewbacca it's just like <laughs> 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 
Like, I just don't think I've realized how funny that picture of Chewbacca is in the background. Um, <laughs> one thing I was thinking while watching this movie, uh, it, it must be a challenging thing for an actor or an actress when you are playing a twin, right? And when you're not really a twin and to, to have it so they feel so different and they feel like different characters. And I always like watching a movie like this and kind of, you know, seeing the editing, right? Because, you know, if you've got them sitting opposite a table, you're going to have the back of someone's head and, you know, make it believable and try and watch it in a way where you think like, this is just one actor pretending to be twins. But I think I kind of lost that early on and you you genuinely feel these are two different characters. So like, I, I think that Jeremy Irons does a good enough job with that. And it's also like, it's interesting when you say that one scene, he's standing on his, his heels, the other is standing on his toes. Like they don't go out of their way to make them look super different. Um, they, they kind of, I mean, I know they're twins, but like they look exactly the same, but usually like one twin, like if it's a female, they'll have like a, a braid in their hair. One will have straight hair, right? Like you, yeah. like Freaky Friday, uh, not Freaky Friday, uh, the parent trap, the other Lindsay Lohan one, mm-hmm. you know, like that one, they go out of their way to make them look different. So you can tell the difference between the two. Whereas this one, they don't really look that different. They don't really dress differently. They just, they act differently. So I, I appreciate that about what they do and how Jeremy Irons does that as well. Um, this, I just, I'm not into this actress woman. It's not even a looks thing. Like, I don't know. She just yeah, kind of annoys me. She's a little bit bland. Yeah. Like, I don't know what it is. She's she's very bland. And she also disappears for a large portion of this movie. Um, it's kind of, they have all this set up and then she just buggers off. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Um, but it's just, it's. I don't know. It's just kind of odd how like, it's like, oh, she comes into their lives and next minute they're drug addicts. Okay. Um, like I feel, I don't know, like it just kind of comes out of nowhere. I feel like there should be some sort of thing where maybe they have a setup. Like you talk about how like changing expectations, like I, I, I see it. Like you get this scene with two kids basically like, I want to have sex with you in my bathtub. Um, so it's kind of, I'm thinking like, oh, is this going to be like some dirty pervy movie like that? But like only one of these guys turns out to be a bit of a sexual deviant. And even that kind of just disappears after the first like 20 minutes. I feel like the sex angle of this movie disappears. I don't know if that's me or I don't know. Like they like uteruses. Like if I like, I like <laughs> sex, but I'm not going to become a gynecologist. I feel that would turn you off sex. Oh yeah. Hands down. Like I think even like even becoming like a sex worker or a porn star would turn you off sex. Like in all, all jokes aside, like, I used to host an adult show back in Hobart many years ago and we interviewed a sex worker and it was it was fascinating to like hear their stories about it because you have this interpretation of what that life would be like but like it's not that great and like I've watched documentaries uh, on porn and basically like interviewing the porn stars about like yeah you think this is some glamorous <laughs> job like it's not it's shit like you know you, you think this is great but it's, it's really not great like this is a kind Wait. of a crappy job. So, did you watch documentaries on porn, or are these the special features in your DVD shelf? <laughs> yeah. Director's commentary. So, this is the scene where she has sex. Um, that'd be an interesting thing. Director's commentary of porn. Um, I volunteer for that job. Um, but like, it's it's you know you have this idea of it, and it's it's not what it seems. Um, but yeah, I. I really, I'm going to show you right now. This is not going to work for people listening to this. This is literally my notes. I got like five lines in. I'm going, what's going on? Then I get to like the 10th line and I literally write, what is this movie? And I did not write any notes after that. One thing that I noted in one of these early scenes when uh, the brothers are having dinner with each other, 
one of them dips his pizza into wine and eats what? the pizza with wine on it. I, I, I was hoping you picked that up, but uh, I thought, like, is this a dipping sauce? But it's in a wine glass because the <laughs> other brother takes a sip of his glass, which it clearly has wine in it, but the other brother is dipping his crust into the wine and then eating it. Is this a Canadian thing? I've never heard that in my life. Well, um, now you have. Maybe it's a maybe it's a David Cronenberg thing. It's certainly not the weirdest thing he's going to do in his career. But but like it's just it's it's really strange. I just I really like I picked up on that. I'm like what like what is going on here? Um, and even when things are about to get exciting, like oh sex scene, she's tied up. Like oh here we go. It's like such a lame oh, yeah. sex scene. Come on. Well, that that's that's the thing. That's where I'm like, you know what? This movie has everything going for it, but it is uncomfortable to watch because it's not just they're having, you know, this nasty sex. He has tied her up with like the the, the surgical stuff that you tie around somebody if you're giving them a bloodshot, tied her to the bed with that. And you actually see like the circulation cut off. Like they're focusing not so much on the sex, but they're focusing on the circulation being cut off on her body. You so really it's just have sort not of had weird good sex like... with your wife, have you? <laughs> Jamie watched this scene hoping that you would get an idea and you're like, oh, it's disturbing. It's disgusting. No, it's it, like there's something unsettling about watching the sex in this movie. I mean, there's something always unsettling, but you tell me your perspective because I, I felt like watching this, it's not like you watch sex in another movie like Terminator. That's like, okay, that just sort of came out of nowhere, but okay. Uh, this movie, you're like, do I want to look away right now? Do I want to keep watching? I Like, I get it. Like, I, I really do. And all jokes aside, like, you know, I like a good sex scene in a movie, but I, I like it to be at a point where you're like, oh, yeah. Like, but like this, like the tying up, you're like, oh, yeah, here we go. And then it's just, <laughs> it's, it's again, it's like watching your, your aunt and uncle have sex. Like, I don't want to say my <laughs> parents. Like I, I, like, I don't feel like they're my parents, but like. Parents don't have sex. Parents don't have sex. They have sex once to create you. And that's all it is. Um, Not even then. It's, it's a petri dish, right? It's you know, yes. Drop it in there, but like you are right because like, and it is. It's that. It is that type of movie. I feel where it is. Like I mean, going back to my Zardoz reference, like oh, they're getting him aroused by showing him. Like that's disturbing. Like it's kind of it's 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 odd. Um, you know, this isn't the Thomas Crown affair where you're watching two beautiful humans like have sex on the stairs. Yeah. Like you know, this is. This is your weird uncle and aunt having sex with ropes and stuff, and it's not even the good kind of ropes. So you're right. Like, it, it, it is uncomfortable. But, um, I mean, still, do it better. Like, come on. Like, at least make this movie watchable. By <laughs> do by it having, better? Like, <laughs> come on, Jeremy Irons and <laughs> other woman. Um, I think it's about this point that I just lose track of what this movie is because <laughs> stop me if I'm skipping I, ahead here. Like, he invents, like, he wins an award. He gets, yeah. That's, water, that's the next scene. Well, it gets water dripping. But, like, even you, when you mentioned about, like, she goes off about them being twins, the first scene when Beverly goes in and kisses her, and that's when he's like, I learned it from books. She kind of has that moment where she, like, turns away and, like, touches her lip, like, oh, that's a different person. But then, like, so mm-hmm. I, at that point, I just assumed she knew they were twins. I didn't realise she didn't know they weren't twins at that point. So Well, that, that's why she mentions him being subtly schizophrenic, too. Because she noticed, okay, she's thinking at that point, there's something psychologically where this is two separate guys. And can I also just point out, like, this is one of those things where I think the mindset of men and women are completely different, right? Like, this woman's kind of slightly disturbed that she's being used by, like, a man. Like, she's basically having sex with two different guys, right? And like, oh, this is disturbing, you know, whatever. 
if this was like, if right now I found out Mallory had a twin sister and that like she had been swapping out half the time, I would be completely fine with it. Uh, <laughs> 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 opens doors for other opportunities, which is fine. Uh, just this is pointing that, it out. This is that Wonder Woman 1984 discussion we had about yep. it, Did she have consent from the other guy? Like, would you care? <laughs> yep. Yeah. Again, man and women think differently right here. Um, <laughs> you know, I like I, having said that though, I feel Jamie would be on my page here if she found out you were a twin, whereas if you found out <laughs> she was a twin, you'd be, ah, oh, disgusting. I have to have sex with more than one woman in my life. Oh. Um, Jamie's going to be like, I can no longer, you know, uh, accept the excuse of I'm tired because one yeah. of you isn't. <laughs> yeah. Bring him on over. Let's, let's do this. Um, but no, seriously, like at this point in the movie, I think this is where I completely zone out. Is this where he has the weird dream that he starts biting on the Siamese? That's coming thing? up. Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm excited for that. That, that bit yeah. I looked up. I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> connected she's chewing on him like oh this movie got interesting actually the reason i think mallory also didn't watch this movie because i said to her i'm like i don't know what this movie is i said i think it's some weird horror movie to which mallory's like okay i'm not gonna watch it then this movie isn't a horror movie it, that, that's what the weirdest thing is about this because this we're gonna get to it on the end this is frequently you know lumped in on these like greatest horror films of all time lists I think there's a few horror aspects to it. But I mean, e- even if you watch like classic horror movies, like let's say, uh, even let's go even as far ahead as Psycho. To me, if you really Psycho today, that's not a horror movie. That's just, okay, it's a bit of a thriller. But back in the day, that was considered scary. I don't even think this would be considered a horror film in the 60s. It would never get released in the 60s for other reasons. Hmm. But to, this is more like a psychological thriller to me, but not thriller even in the terms of, you know, oh, this is scary. It's just more, oh, this is really uncomfortable. They do have moments in this where you're like, I could see why this movie would be scary, but it's not scary for reasons of making you jump. It's scary for just the entire idea of it. It's like um, when we did, what, Night of the Living Dead, we talked about that, like, mm-hmm. but they went out of their way, obviously, for the gore factor, and there was a couple of those scenes which really were like confronting even by, what, 1960s standards. But um, but you're right. like It's, it's different uh, audiences of different times. Like, I'm sure people are going to watch the Saw movies in 30 years' time. And go, oh, that was considered gross. Like, you know, have yeah. you seen Dead Ringers 7? Um, <laughs> so, but like, but even, like, there, all genres of films have that. Like, you know, you look at a special effects-laden film from the 70s, uh, which you're going to laugh at. Oh, fuck, that's terrible special effects. But back in the day, you were like, holy crap, this is amazing. So, mm-hmm. yeah, right now I'm literally just in the background with Dead Ringers on. It's uh, the other woman you see naked in this movie. I forgot about that. Um, she's also strange looking and not that great naked. So <laughs> strange um, looking. Sorry to be that guy, but I someone had to say it on this episode. Good for her though uh, for being naked. It took a lot of courage for her to get a boob job. <laughs> she's a real hero. <laughs> she she's a hero for Canadian cinema. <laughs> oh, yeah, she got her tits out. She should get a medal. Uh, I'm gonna go through pretty much the rest of the Please movie do, here because i don't know how uh, much I'm, i have to contribute from this point on <laughs> hang i, on, I hang just on, have I'll to contribute say, this cool all right <laughs> does it say you're a beauty you beauty oh you beauty <laughs> what is his name what is his name greg what is greg. it gary gary it's gary, gary. Oh, i would it's have gary. called him a <laughs> um, I do want to say this movie does look great. Like the cinematography is fantastic in this movie. The the sets are incredible. And, and maybe that's again coming from somebody who is 
used to watching Canadian movies uh, more. We talked about both Canadian and Australian movies. You simply don't have the budgets that Hollywood movies going to have because you don't have the same audience. When your country has one tenth the population of the United States, you can assume that your movies are going to have one tenth the budget. A big budget Canadian movie might be only $10 million. Uh, I don't even know what the budget was of this movie, but David Cronenberg made it stretch. This looks big. The sets look huge. Their office looks fantastic. To interrupt. Well, so it's, yeah. 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 So, I mean, obviously they had some Hollywood backing too because they knew it would get a release there. But uh, still, $13 million, not a lot of money. And he really makes it look big. Uh, Some of the uh, places they're in when he's doing the speeches just look fantastic. You know, the art direction is great, the cinematography. Uh, some of the effects are pretty decent. The, the effects of Jeremy Irons and Jeremy Irons together looks fantastic. We did over yeah. on Double Oz 7, a movie from, uh, well, it would have 15 years earlier than this, but uh, Roger Moore movie, The Man Who Haunted Himself. Better movie where... than this. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that, but uh, the effects of Roger Moore on screen with Roger Moore did not look great. Yeah. This is a couple of years before Back to the Future 2, and I guess they actually used Back to the Future 2 was considered like, oh, they, they you know, uh, had this revolutionary technology. This is kind of the beta testing for that technology. So this was revolutionary at the time for how they filmed Jeremy Irons and Jeremy Irons. There's only two scenes in this movie where I watch them. Like, I can see how they did that. Otherwise, it, it would have held up the same as a, with a modern movie. But anyways, one other thing I wanted to mention, uh, something that I picked up on, and Jamie said she would never have noticed if I hadn't said it. Another thing that's very typical of Canadian movies is a lot of short scenes as opposed to, a handful of long drawn out scenes. The typical scene in this movie is probably only 30, 40 seconds long, and then they'll jump to a completely different scene. And that's very typical with Canadian movies, uh, aside from Treed Murray, which we'll talk about you know, in two weeks. Uh, Canadian movies, often it's because they have a lot of stories going on with a lot of characters. Uh, but even in smaller movies, I've noticed this is a Canadian thing. They just jam pack so much into a movie that if you're not used to watching a movie like this, it'll feel like it's flying by. Like that's another reason why I can understand why it would be hard for you to follow this movie because it flies by so quickly jumping from one thing to another. I know that's not the main reason you had trouble following it. <laughs> I did but not think now. this movie flied by. I kept looking at the time. Oh, fuck, there's an hour to go. Well, no, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not thinking, I'm not talking in terms of flying by as in like, Whoa, look at that. Two hours, just but like that, but just, you have one scene and they don't let you breathe. They're jumping right into something else. So you hardly have time to digest it unless you're used to this, this pace. Uh, you, I think we talked about it even with the humor uh, with both Canadian and Australian movies is that it's a different pacing than what you're used to if you're used to Hollywood movies. But anyways, so uh, yeah, she breaks up with them um, and Beverly's taking it hard. Now they're at one of their awards banquets. One of the many awards they get is fertility specialists and uh, Elliot, confident Elliot is making the speech and drunk Beverly comes in. He's falling all over himself. Uh, he um, uh, goes up to hijack the speech, which Elliot tries to steer him away from. And uh, he gives another really great line, I thought, where he says, do you want to know what the real difference is between us? And he's saying this in front of a huge crowd, lots of rich people, lots of important people there. He goes, uh, I slave over the snatch all day long and he makes the speeches. Um, another line I actually missed from the previous scene that was great was uh, where the the movie star actress, she's describing the difference between them. And she says, you soften them up with your smarmy concern and along comes Dracula here and polishes them off, uh, which is when he uh, says, it was actually the other way around. I polished you off first. <laughs> but uh, I really do love a lot of the dialogue in this movie, as hard as it is to watch. Uh, after the drunken speech, yeah, Elliot sort of breaking the news to Beverly that he 
uh, got a new job offer. He's still going to be with their practice, their, their twin practice, but he's not going to have as much time dedicated to it, which means everything's on Bev now. We see that he's starting to take some pills, uh, even away from Claire. So the drug addiction is kicking in. Um, Claire's reintroduced in the movie here. Uh, as Beverly makes up with her, he comes sobbing and she takes him back. Uh, and this is where the dream sequence kicks in. <laughs> so he's dreaming, waking up in bed, and he sees Elliot, his brother, on the other side of Claire as they're all naked in bed together. And he looks down and they're conjoined. Now, they're not conjoined. The, I, the one thing I'm really unclear on, was it implying that they were at one point conjoined twins? Like, I didn't understand that. Yeah, there was a few, like, how many references to, like, Siamese twins in this movie? I Yeah, I don't know. So maybe. Yeah. But I, I, it could be, again, more just a mental thing because I think I have a theory on how, how the ending of this movie. But anyways, you see them conjoined and movie star actress sees this, bends down and takes a big bite out of their conjoined section, pulling organs out with her. Now, that's that's what you expect out of David Cronenberg. I guess that's what his fans of the 80s would have expected. B- biting so, conjoined twins guts? That's a thing? Just something that's like really graphic and really gory. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, it is... Very odd uh, in the middle of this movie. It is one of only two moments of gore in this horror movie. Uh, So he wakes up and he's basically saying, never let me dream that dream again. And I was thinking to myself, does she have control over your dreams? Is this why you're asking this? Uh, We get a quick flash towards uh, Ben's favorite scene in the movie. uh, Mimsy and Coral, the twin prostitutes who show up at Elliot's place. Jamie did look at I I sort of thought this looked like Jill Hennessy. But if this is like 10 years before she ever became a thing, you know, but Jamie just sort of looked over at me when they showed up and I was like, what, what, <laughs> anything, you know, uh, I, I wouldn't have thought they were twins because I didn't realize Jill Hennessy had a twin, but apparently this is her and her twin sister, Jacqueline. And, um, Makes me want to watch Crossing Jordan more. I like. I know they got a future in the business. You you sent me that message, like basically saying about this, and so as soon as I saw this scene, I'm like, oh, here we go. This is about to happen. (laughs) And here comes the letdown. (laughs) It's like three seconds long, and that's it. But like, it's it's funny because as soon as I saw them, like I, they've just got that face. I'm like, she's familiar. Mm -hmm. Like, who's that? And then when I looked up and I saw the name, I'm like, Jill Hensley. That sounds familiar. She's that Crossing Jordan chick. Um, and it is. Um, is she Canadian? She is, yeah. Oh, well, good on her. Good for her. Good for you, Jill Hennessy. Good for and Jacqueline. Let's not, let's not leave out Jacqueline. Poor Jacqueline always gets left out. Well, it's like Linda Hamilton, right? And Well, actually, we shouldn't joke about that. Her twin died. Did you know that? No. Linda Hamilton's twin died, like, just before Christmas. So, um, sad. I don't know why. I'm just, I'm, sad I, moment. I, I, I complete, moment of silence. I completely... No, this sister. is weird. This is what Dead Ringers does to you. I completely blanked out, and the only thing I could picture is the final scene of Dead Ringers, and that's what happened to Linda Hamilton's sister. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> I, I, I lost myself for a second. I'm like, whoa, this movie does something to you. Yeah, Linda Hamilton's sister. Rest in peace. Um, <laughs> now, what other actors in Hollywood are twins? Is, wasn't there somebody else we did in Jamie Look. Well, Jamie, look this up because she, uh, since we have twins, this is very exciting for her. Uh, but yeah, there's there's a whole long list of twins. Um, why do I think that somebody from Arrested Development had a twin? I remember her showing that to me. The Vin Olsen Diesel? twins. Oh, Vin Diesel has a twin. Um, Kiefer and Rachel Sutherland? Wait, there's a what? female version Kiefer of Kiefer has- Sutherland? <laughs> hold on, hold on. Mallory, Mallory, you are done. Yes. <laughs> there's- Wow, <laughs> I need to look her up. Rachel Sutherland. 
Please tell me she looks like Kiefer. Uh, she looks like Kiefer. Oh, with a wig. <laughs> Put a wig on him. Put a wig on it. Yes, please. I didn't Seriously. even notice. Me neither. She does look like Kiefer, yeah. She really does. Wow. <laughs> Ashton and Michael Kutcher, Sammy and Remy Malik. Really? You called your kids Remy and Sammy? I that- Yeah, I knew that one. I didn't know. We that. we avoided that. We a lot of people do the rhyming names uh, or both names starting with the same initial. We avoided that. It, like we intentionally avoided. Scarlett that. Johansson has a twin. Uh, okay. Seriously, on this goodhousekeeping.com, they've got a gallery of famous twins. I'm telling you now, like the Keeper Sutherland seriously looks like Keeper Sutherland with a wig on. <laughs> like, uh, Michael and Ashton Kutcher, although his twin looks nothing like him. Uh, John Tia- Heater, Napoleon Dynamite. Really. Tia and Tamara yeah. Mara, I don't even know who that is. Dylan and Cole Sprouse. Well, they were famous because of Friends, right? Like, they... And um, I knew that. Angel and Aaron I Carter. Different... Jason and Jeremy London. Uh... Don't know who that is. Aaron and Sean Ashmore. Your favourites. Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen. Uh, Jenna Bush Hager yeah. and Barbara Pierce Bush. Huh? Well, everybody knew about that one. Oh, the... You didn't know about the Bush ones? It's, oh, that's the President Bushes. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, Joel and Gio- Benji Madden, sure. Bonnie Rabisi. Oh, Eva Green has Gio a twin. Giovanni Rabisi's sister. Vesper has a twin. Yes. <laughs> the reaction there is a lot <laughs> and that's more calmer it? than I was expecting. Mo- you are more... <laughs> hold on. You are more excited about Kiefer Sutherland's twin sister than the fact that Vesper Lind has a twin? Yes. <laughs> she, just, she just looked like... She just looks like blonde Vesper. Okay. Supermodel Giselle Bunchen and Gabriella Bunchen. I mean, supermodel <laughs> twins. Come on. I knew this one. Nicholas and uh, Brendan and uh, what's his face um, from um, Buffy. I knew that one. He was mm. a twin. Vin Diesel's twin. Holy crap. Poor guy. Looks nothing like him. <laughs> wow. Charlotte well, that's like Action Kutcher's. Yeah. Elvis Presley? Had a twin? Yeah. Oh, he, his twin died at birth, though, I think. Oh, well, that's sad. Um, <laughs> don't know why I'm laughing, actually. Move on. <laughs> Anyways, um, so yeah, twins, fun. Uh, Jill Hennessy. Rachel <laughs> Sutherland. <laughs> Rachel Sutherland. Um, but yeah, like, this is a very brief scene. And, and again... I'm like, oh, I'm going to get Ben so excited about twin hookers. And then he's going to see that it's a 10 second scene. And gone. <laughs> you only need 10 seconds, Colin. They give them such quirky names. Like they, they need a sp- Mimsy and Coral spinoff. Come on. Dead ringers too. I and mean, we talked about how, what's <laughs> a pause here? What? I, I'm sorry. I just, I, I, I wanted to know what the point of Mimsy and Thingo even is like. <laughs> I, yeah, I actually think the reason for it is because what we're going to see later on um, when the brothers are sharing other woman, like just the idea of twins sharing a person um, sexually, which is the threesome with twins. Most people, right? Um, normal well, the, people that's that aren't what, Colin? That's what you, you say that, <laughs> but you know, is do you think that people's response to Jeremy Irons and Jeremy Irons, I mean, Jamie's response to Jeremy Irons and Jeremy Irons sandwich was nice. Again, men and women are different. Like it's kind of like how women have the whole manning uniform thing, right? Like, yeah, I'm not opposed to a woman in uniform. It's fine, but I don't think it's like, like I've never thought of a fire female firefighter as like, Ooh, whereas women are like, <laughs> Oh, women, you know, whereas like, I don't know if women have the same thing of like twins as, as men do. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. 
Twins, Basil. Twins. Uh, Come on. <laughs> now, uh, while this is going on, um, the girlfriend here, the movie star, she has to leave for 10 weeks to a film set. Uh, to a film set. <laughs> That's what she does. She's on a film to, set. Doesn't film a movie. She sits yeah. on a film set. Hello, I'm an actress. She, Why? Because I'm on a film set. Yeah, this is what happens when your movie star career washes up. You you build film sets. Uh, but anyways, Elliot visits because he's concerned about Beverly and his new drug problem and all that. But Elliot can't help himself. He still tries to, to seduce her. She turns him down, though. Uh, that's how he knows that uh, she actually really likes his unconfident brother. Um, and uh, while she's making the movie, at one point, Beverly calls her hotel room and she's having a meeting with a bunch of people and she even uh, is basically uh trashing the the costume designers they're saying i'm not about to do this movie dressed like a ten dollar hooker <laughs> and oh what's great about that was again a little bit of humor in this movie where she's saying to i think this is supposed to be her agent or her manager or something the guy that he mistakes as her boyfriend uh where she says would you kindly tell these people i'm not about to do this movie dressed as a ten dollar hooker and then he just immediately says she's not about to do this movie dressed as like a ten dollar hooker <laughs> and it basically makes these uh costume designers cry uh and this is when beverly calls to talk to her but the guy picks up who's of course just her agent and um his conversation like who is this i'm her gynecologist and you should know she can't have children this is really weird like he's obviously on it's something so here so gay this guy like and basically like mm. putting well, that's the point com- but like i just i don't like okay if that's the point like oh look at this guy he doesn't can't tell a, a guy who's not into women and all this sort of stuff but like it just this whole conversation is just really weird like if you put two fingers in her with blah 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 <laughs> blah blah and he's just got this look on his face like even if he wasn't gay and actually sleeping with her is this a thing you would do like if i rang you up right well, now colin's like colin put two fingers in jamie you're gonna look Ugh. <laughs> See, my bigger issue with this is this guy does nothing with it. I mean, is he getting a kick out of this? He obviously tells the actress because later on in the movie, when he's saying, I called and I talked to that guy you were sleeping with, she goes, oh, that was you that called. Like the only way she's going to know about this is if this assistant of hers tells her. Yeah. But does he leave out the part where it's like some guy who claims he's his, your gynecologist just called and got really upset with me? I think that would be a dead giveaway to her. My boyfriend thinks that I'm sleeping around. But, yeah. like, did he leave out the part that this guy claimed he was a gynecologist? Um, yeah. I, and I, I don't, like, but but what the problem is, though, like, also flip it around. What if this guy was like, oh, that sounds fun. Like, yeah. <laughs> actress, like, pull your pants off. Get some I'm going to make you feel like a $10 hooker. Come yeah. here. <laughs> Literally. I think that's what they do, right? <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, he basically has a, a complete mental breakdown here. Uh, Elliot is trying to cheer him up by getting this other lady over, which I don't even know. What was the point of this other lady? I, I really couldn't even follow who she was. Yeah, me neither. I'm asking I you. Know. I don't know why. Well, pff, I, fuck, I don't even... Like, again, I zoned out half this movie. Um, <laughs> I really don't... Like, I honestly, from this point on, like, I base my opinions on the Wikipedia synopsis and only looked up <laughs> when I saw boobs... Um, the the weird surgery scene when he's like sucking on gas. Also, can we talk about yeah. the surgery? Like, why are they in like bright red like uniforms? Like, yeah, is, you know what? Yeah, they look like Jamie was saying. Um, I can't remember what she said they look like, but then when they put the 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 hoods on, I'm like, they look like the leaders of the Ku Klux Klan. Like, it's weird. <laughs> it's Zard. This is where I got Zardos vibes. It's like, yeah, you know, let's all dress up in this. Yeah, I I I don't know. Um, other woman. Let's just call her other woman. Other um, woman. He basically, 
uh, or they, the twins, basically have her in the middle of a Jeremy Irons sandwich, which uh, this is what Jamie was appreciating here. Uh, and Beverly doesn't want to do this. Uh, and he passes out, obviously, due to all the drugs he's taking now. And when the lady here tries to revive him, Jeremy Irons, number one, uh, says, no, he's my brother. And Jeremy Irons gives Jeremy Irons mouth to mouth. That's right. Pretty sexy. <laughs> Somebody finally did it. Yep. <laughs> Just think of uh, Scar and Scar giving each other mouth to mouth in The Lion King. Yeah. Uh, this was one of these things where it's like, you know, I know that uh, in this world, this should just be normal, but I just watched Jeremy Irons suck Jeremy Irons' face. <laughs> <laughs> and kind Jamie of unusual. wanted you right then and there. Take me now, Colin. <laughs> no, leave uh, the TV but, on. Uh, I need to see it. <laughs> but after this, he gets to the hospital and uh, Elliot, Jeremy Irons, is basically saying, I had to fight them off from taking blood tests. We're going to detox you now. Uh, because we're going to lose our entire practice and our medical licenses if anybody finds out that you're taking your own prescription drugs. So he starts putting him through, you know, uh, his own personal rehab program here. Uh, while they're doing this, he's still practicing medicine. Like this is because I guess Elliot Jeremy Irons can't be there the whole time with this practice. Beverly still has to practice, even though he's through going through withdrawal and out of his mind. He's giving an examination to one lady who keeps complaining about the pain. And you're shaking your head. <laughs> well, no, there, there is a point to the scene. So he's starting to see things that aren't there. Like he's hallucinating. And while he's giving her the examination, he's using the wrong tool because this lady keeps complaining and he holds up and says, this is solid gold. It is solid gold. And this is painful to you. He's getting upset because his solid gold tool hurts her. But then afterwards, when he's talking to his brother, uh, Elliot, and Elliot's like, you examined her with this. Yes, it's like, you know that that's for surgery only. You don't use this internally. So Beverly is starting to hallucinate. He's using tools that shouldn't be designed. And he's saying things like, I looked inside this lady and there's something wrong with her. So he's just, he's losing his mind now and he's seeing things that aren't real. And it all has to do with the insides of people. And is this the one where he's like, yeah, I saw a weird thing once that a dog a woman fucked a dog is that is it that this thing yeah. here uh, like, what? yeah what is it uh says uh something when he's examining her uh or maybe it's the next examination scene oh i think it was this one where once he's finally looking inside her he says are you sexually active uh with what and she goes what do you mean with what with my husband it's like nothing it's just one time i examined a person who had intercourse with a labrador retriever <laughs> and then it's just sort of like awkward silence <laughs> Uh, but this leads to him going to some type of, you know, I don't know, metal worker, artist, uh, metal worker for art and giving him designs. And he's like, these are brilliant. Can we put these in our art show? What is it for? He goes, they're gynecological instruments for mutants. That's a great name for an art show. Gynecological exams on mutants. <laughs> That's what we're going to uh, call the like, podcast, no. by the way, after gay sex. Yeah, exactly. Cruise. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, let's look at the gynecological exam. G-E- <laughs> O M G E O M gynecological no, exam. Tom Cruise is better. Yep. Yeah. Uh, t-shirts coming soon. Uh, but <laughs> wait, did you say G E O M? Uh, yeah, gynecological exams on mutants. Oh, exams! I thought you were saying how do you spell instruments with an E? Instruments is an I. Yeah, I know. That's why I was saying. Oh, you, you thought e I said? Okay. You said yeah, right. Thank you. Yep. Yeah. Cool. But anyways, he he actually talks this guy into creating these sci-fi looking. Uh, gynecological instruments 
uh, which to me, this was the best part of the movie. Like this is where you really, you can't help but perk up here. Uh, as uh, first of all, the receptionist walks in while he's shooting up and she resigns on the spot. <laughs> <give> my notice. <laughs> and he's like, okay. <laughs> uh, but then he goes into surgery and he unveils all these new tools and everybody's looking at us like, what is this? These are new tools. We're going to use them. And they're like, I don't think we could do this. He goes, he starts getting impatient. <laughs> I actually really, again, I love, maybe it's just a weird community, a Canadian thing. I love the weird quirk humor in this. Like, you will number them from one to 10. I'm going to ask for number five. You hand me number five. Please give me number five, please. <laughs> they're fumbling with this stuff. It falls on the floor. He starts freaking out. He starts gassing himself. It's a very, uh, I, I don't even know how to describe it. It's like, it's not scary. It's not uncomfortable. It's just, it's, 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 it's unnerving. I think that would be a good term. It's it's halfway in between uncomfortable and mildly scary. Um, but he's essentially tackled to the ground here. And uh, this is where his brother, Elliot, gets off the phone. Elliot goes to, uh, I guess, the board at the hospital and tries to pretend to be Beverly apologizing for this and explaining himself. But he says they didn't buy it. Uh, we're essentially unofficially banned right now. Uh, there's still a chance, but we're unofficially banned. We have to do all this damage control. And this is where he starts saying, these women, their insides are all wrong. We have to do something with it. Um, Elliot's putting him through detox again. He basically locks him up in the house. He takes all drugs out of the house. They have a conversation here about Aang and Chang, the original conjoined twins or whatever, uh, which is, I guess, going to be an important story later on. And uh, as Beverly is detoxing, Elliot starts taking some pills and he's saying, we have to balance ourselves out. I need to, as he's coming down, I need to go up. That's, that's sort of a thing that's going to be important in this movie is that this is why I think maybe at one point they were conjoined twins and there's some, some type of separation anxiety that they're having later in life because they feel like they have to be one person, but then they feel like they have to be two separate people. But essentially Elliot now becomes a drug addict too, uh, just so he could join with his brother. Um, and uh, Beverly uh, eventually sneaks out by having the uh, maintenance man unlock the door to the clinic. Uh, Hi, this is uh, this is Elliot. Can you please let me out? <laughs> okay, sir. How did you it's lock like yourself Canadian. in there? Never mind that now. <laughs> Never mind that, sir. Uh, let me out. <laughs> uh, when he's on his way to his girlfriend's house because he's he's talked to her. And uh, she's cleared up the whole thing about, no, that was not uh, a man I was sleeping with. That was my assistant. And he's very gay. <laughs> um, he goes to her place, but he sees that this, this metal worker guy has actually stolen his designs for the instruments and put them on display as part of this art show. He goes in and steals it. Uh, he writes a prescription. The girlfriend, this is where the movie comes very confused because he writes a prescription. So you assume he's going to be completely back on drugs 100% again. She fills the prescription for him, gives him the drugs. And the next time you see him, he's completely sober. But now Elliot is completely stoned out of his mind. Uh, now I don't understand why Beverly suddenly became sober when he actually went there and went back on his sobriety. Maybe something's missing. I don't know. Maybe I was losing a little bit, but uh, they meet up Elliot and uh, Beverly and uh elliot's in the shower uh fully clothed this here's a vesper lynn scene uh and fingers sucking on fingers well they're about to suck on birthday cake because (laughs) he gives them cake which they eat with their hands and orange soda uh and he says happy birthday but it's not our birthday 
this is where he unveils the instruments and they say, okay, we need to separate themselves. So again, in their mind, they're thinking they're conjoined twins. They need to separate themselves here. And it leads to Elliot lying down on the table, Beverly using these new instruments and stabbing his brother through the chest, through the arm and everything, both of them passing out. Beverly wakes up and realizes his brother is dead and covered in blood. He initially tries to leave, uh, but then he comes back and just dies, I don't know, of an overdose or something. Uh, That is dead ringers. Broken heart, yeah. (laughs) It's okay, we have all the time in the world. Uh, But yeah, there's a lot of weird stuff that happens in this movie. And I think it's very easy to not know how to feel about this movie. Like, easiest way for me to sum it up is I finished this movie, I'm like, you know, I couldn't stop watching it for some reason, but I, I, it would take a lot for me to go out of my way to watch this again. I wish I had that reaction because I was the complete opposite. I couldn't actually <laughs> watch this movie. Um, I'm like flicking through this now and I legitimately can't remember half these scenes. <laughs> I don't remember the office being trashed or the house being trashed. The shower scene, I actually don't remember. Um, ben didn't watch this movie. <laughs> really didn't um, <laughs> let's take his opinion with a grain of salt here i very nearly pulled a um whatever that oscar movie was the other year that i the favorite or whatever it was, oh the I favorite think, yeah that i just i just did not watch it's like independence day 2 right like once is enough can't watch it again um i mean yeah <laughs> The sucking on gas scene. Um, yeah, I saw the bit with the instruments. Like, these are mine. And, like, stealing them off the table. Um, <laughs> yeah, the letting out of the office bit. The actress woman just shows up randomly. Um, the disembarrassing. Well, her movie's scene. done shooting. Yeah, true. And, like, but they actually, you know what they, they look like in surgery? They look like um, uh, Emperor Palpatine's Red Guards. Leave oh, us. yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I have foreseen it. <laughs> Listen to the best of 2019 to hear what the guards get up to in the Death Star, Death Star office. Um, <laughs> leave us. <laughs> I have foreseen it. Oh, God. All right. Um, <laughs> why has it taken us 10 years to get a sound effect? Right? We could have had a bell. We could have copied Rob as a podcast, but instead... In our 10th anniversary year, Colin Hilding, we've finally got a button that says... Exactly. Uh, (laughs) I have nothing to contribute to the rest of this movie. (laughs) I have nothing to declare. Um, I really don't. I I don't know what else to add. I zoned out completely. I feel like I was more into Zardoz. I just, I don't know what to add. I'm sorry. This movie, this This movie is crap. This is a Canadian movie. Um. <laughs> I enjoyed the movies last year. Like, and I wasn't super on board the curling one, right? Like, Men with Brooms. Like, yeah. I thought it was fine. I watched all of it. It was decent. Could I remember anything that happened in that movie? No. <laughs> I completely forgot we watched that movie. But um, I really hope this Treed Murray is better than this. Um, oh, Treed Murray is fantastic. Like, will I watch the whole thing, do you think? Yeah, you have to. <laughs> Aaron Ashmore's in it. It's in my contract. I mean, at least, like at least with Swingy Safari and Boytown, like they're follow, follow, followable movies, sort of. Well, um, I was able to see if you watch it, it helps because I had no problem following this movie. <laughs> well, I'm dumb. I don't follow things. I like Die Another Day. Let's get to some plot keywords here. 
<laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Let's get to some plot keywords because this may be the, the, the greatest reviews? gift. Well, well, well I, I have the plot keywords up. I want to get to this first. But okay. um, plot keywords, woman with three cervixes months. <laughs> <laughs> yes, finally. <laughs> Featuring dead ringers. Um, I'm going to assume woman with three uteri month is exactly the same. Uh, sadomasochism month. Let's skip that one. Maternal <laughs> Scary. Uh, squash the game month. There was squash in this movie. Yum. Yum month. What? Uh, no, I was. I was. You said squash. I was looking at uh, woman with uh, maternal twin girls month. Uh, uh, I'm sexual at domination hormo- month. Here we go. <laughs> Hormonal uh, injection month with dead ringers, runs cop, and the weight. H- how is? Uh, Fifty Shades of Grey, not on Sexual Domination Month. Megan is missing. Oh, okay. This sounds sounds like a movie on my life. Two teenage girls encounter an internet child predator. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's so wrong, Ben. Uh, He's married now, people. <laughs> dangerous liaisons, dead ringers, and happy few. What are adult love affairs? Two couples meet and fall in love, lose sight of each other in the confusion, end up pulling through. Sounds like when you and I and Jamie and Mallory meet. Um, I got a really good one here. Um, the, not this one. The next one's going to be really good. But uh, masculine character with female name month is good. Uh, <laughs> featuring the good, the bad, and the ugly. Alien Resurrection. Casino Royale 1967. And Dead Ringers. Um, <laughs> this might be my favorite. <laughs> I really hope there's more than one movie in here. This might be my favorite plot keyword ever. Red pubic hair month. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Finally. It more. We can talk about a clockwork orange, sex in the city, good luck, Chuck, and the man who fell to earth. Oh. There are a lot of movies on red pubic hair. <laughs> Jamie should know it off by heart. I, I like this sexual domination month. There's a movie at number 10. It is called In the Basement. This is the description for In the Basement. A documentary that reveals what its subjects do in their respective basements. <laughs> cool. <laughs> that sounds so <laughs> exciting. Uh, now, I, we have to add one on here. Do you, you still have the count login? You can add one? Uh, oh, I do. It's a sort of. Sorry, I'm looking at pictures. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm just trying to There's a lot of Arietta, a middle aged widow, becomes a call girl in a shady SM club. <laughs> Why would I do this movie? Sorry, um, do I have the login? I think I'm actually logged in, so I can probably do this right now. Okay. Okay, so what do we want to do? Do we want to do eating cake with hands month? Uh, do we want to do Jeremy Irons giving mouth to mouth to Jeremy Irons month? <laughs> oh, I need to confirm my email address. What? Oh, I don't have oh. time for that. Ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on. Uh, <laughs> revisit that. Red pubic hair <laughs> month. Red pubic hair <laughs> month. Yes. <laughs> Uh, anyways, uh, reviews. This has 83% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, really? Roger Ebert. Yeah. Uh, well, it's even more loved outside, uh, uh, United States, uh, more, more so in Canada, apparently in Korea, very popular too. Uh, but, uh, Roger Ebert was not as fond of it. He gave it two and a half stars and said, it's like a collaboration between med school and a supermarket tabloid. <laughs> uh, he, he said yeah. it was challenging, challenging, but interesting for his female fewer female friends to view. A lot of reviews I read said the same thing that like, women would not, not be turned off by this movie, but women would find it harder to watch this movie. Uh, one right here. Uh, uh, Rita Kempley said it was every woman's nightmare turned into a creepy thriller. 
Um, but kind of backs up what my opinion is here. Uh, it's it's kind of like slowing down to look at a traffic accident, afraid you might see something. It's really sorted stuff that becomes ridiculous, painful, unbelievable, and tedious. Uh, but this movie, uh, which uh, would go on to be nominated for 10 Genie Awards. Oh, yes. Uh, I'll see what else is nominated that year. Now, I will say Canadian movies, the Genies, you tend to have one big movie a year. So this won eight out of the 10 nominations it had. Uh, the only things it lost was costume design for Denise Cronenberg, uh, probably related to Robbed. David Cronenberg. And uh, Gen- Genevieve Bujold lost the best actress, but it won everything else. Picture, director, screenplay, actor, uh, editing, everything. Uh, I'm going to go to this year to see if I've even heard of any of the 1988 movies here. Well, just while uh, you do oh, that. I have- oh, sorry. You go. Yep. Uh, I have heard of uh, Outside Chance of Maximilian Glick. Uh, oh, that movie is... Movie. It was filmed in Winnipeg. I think that's why I've heard of it. Uh, the Revolving Doors, Straight for the Heart, and A Winter Tan. Uh, a Winter <laughs> Tan. Canada's summer blockbuster. <laughs> uh, but uh, Jackie Burroughs for A Winter Tan actually beat Genevieve Bujold for oh, uh, Best on. Actress. For this. Uh, this movie has gone on to, um, I guess, develop a bigger following over time. Uh, the The Toronto Film Festival does this list every single decade of the top 10 greatest Canadian films of all time. And this missed the list in 1993, which they actually explained it was because there was a huge split between people who were voting for uh, another David Cronenberg movie, Videodrome, and this one. And that basically caused it to not end up in there. But uh, in 2004, it it was number six on the list. And in uh, 2015, it just dropped one spot to number seven. So this is still... 20 years running considered one of the greatest Canadian films of all time. I just here noticed that this movie, according to Entertainment Weekly, was placed on their top 20, uh, 25 scariest movies of all time list at 20th. But I've now found uh, they've done an updated version of this. I don't know what year this was, but it's the 37 scariest movies of all time. And this came in at number uh, 33. Uh, it beat out It Follows, Goodnight Mummy, The Witch, and The Mist. Um, Jaws is on this list. Um, Get Out is on this list. Science of the Lambs is on this list. Night of the Living Dead. But, like, really? Is this in the top 37 it's... scariest movies of all time? Hey, maybe maybe more women are scared of this than men. Jamie was not scared at all. She was quite interested in it. But, uh, <laughs> that, like, uh, there's a lot of lists here. <laughs> Um, there are a lot of lists on here though, like Rolling Stone magazine, number 95 on the 100 Maverick movies. Total film has it number 35 on the 50 greatest horror films of all time. As you said, entertainment weekly, uh, bloody disgusting has it in the top 10 true story horror movies of all time. Like this movie is time and time again, considered one of the greatest horror films of all time, but I don't see the horror aspect. I see the thriller. I see kind of uncomfortable, unnerving, all that just not, doesn't fit horror to me. When when you say top Maverick movies, is that like Top Gun number one, Chasing Maverick number two, <laughs> like um... Chasing Mavericks? Yes. Oh God, why do we keep bringing that movie up? <laughs> uh, box office. Uh, this cost thirteen million dollars. It did not recover that investment. It uh, only made a little over eight million dollars at the box office, and that's split Canada, the United States. Uh, however, it did open number one when it came out. 
September of 1988 was number one uh, opening weekend, $3 million. Uh, beat out A Fish Called Wanda and Die Hard at number two and three, which both those movies were out for 11 weeks. Who Framed Roger Rabbit is 14 weeks at number five. Uh, but uh, interesting that this movie dropped out of the top 10 very quickly. For a movie that opened number one, it dropped to number four the second week and then was down to number 14 the week after that. Standard. So it, it obviously not like a massive, massive hit. It's pretty typical for a David Cronenberg movie. Again, he's commercially successful, but a, com- a successful movie, I mean, a history of violence probably made like 40, $50 million. Eastern Promises, maybe the same thing. And those are like big hit David Cronenberg movies. Uh, but uh 1988 box office, this place exactly at number 100 on <laughs> uh, the, uh, <laughs> uh, on the, the highest grossing films. It, it uh, beat out, um, oh, I lost it here. Uh, so did uh, David Cronenberg. All right, we'll, we'll come back to that. Uh, reviews. <laughs> we want to look at the one star one reviews star. here. There's two one star reviews. I'm guessing everybody loves this movie. And they literally are, what a heap of flaming trash and awful. And they are both really short reviews. You have Gus the Heffen, what a heap of flaming trash. Wow, was this movie bad? The acting, whatever. It starts <laughs> off as one story and just spirals into a total disaster. I kept watching for something to happen, but nothing really does. You just get to see a moody and disgusting irons play two dumb trolls. I'd probably agree with that. And awful, written by Maura Piend. This is one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Never. I mean, never watch this horrible film. I rented it. It is one of the CD Now's top 10 shocking movies of all time. And I could write a more shocking film. It has poor acting, terrible accents, and it's almost unbearable to watch. Terrible accents. Um, It's his real accents. (laughs) He's English. Anyway, if they're they're talking about other people. Yeah, they're Canadian. (laughs) What is this? Morphine. The only review this Morphine ever wrote was uh, Dead Ringers. Wow. I feel like they're the same person because like one's and it's 18 years apart. Like that was written in 2002 and then the newest one was written in 2020. So yeah. And all of the reviews that this first person is writing are all terrible. Uh, Terminator Dark Fate, no longer a viable franchise. Um, The Social Dilemma, great case to use antitrust to break these companies up. Uh, This person's opinionated. They don't like anything, though. So, Book of Henry, sorry, Hollywood, you can't bribe gun dealers. Guns have serial numbers? (laughs) What? (laughs) I don't even know what that means. Anyways, uh, what do you... I know what you're going to do. You're binning this movie. I am (laughs) binning... You didn't see it. (laughs) Yeah. I got to tell you, I... I was, wow, I sure hope that's a cat's tail. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just very buzzer. excited to review let's, this movie. Let's see, let's see what Stiggy does when you hit the buzzer. <laughs> Nothing. He <looks laughs> goes to sniff it. Uh, but, uh, no, I would have, I would have been leaning towards binning this movie for the first half, but enough swerves take place where oh. it was not what I expected. And, it really had me interested, despite the fact that it is not a comfortable movie to watch. I kept wanting to see what happened next. And Jamie actually was the exact same way. Uh, and typically, this would not be her type of movie, you know, a, a thinking type of thriller. <laughs> Jamie likes her movie <laughs> dumb. She will admit it. <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, it, she was very intrigued by this movie. And, and maybe it is just Jeremy Irons and the performance. Maybe it's the fact that there's, they just sort of let you get comfortable and then it shows something kind of very uncomfortable at you. But there was something about this movie that I liked. I don't, don't like it enough to buy it, though. 
if I'm talking like David Cronenberg movies, this is not among my favorite David Cronenberg movies, not even close, but uh, I, I would rent it. It would be one of these things where it's like, legitimately, if I paid for this movie without seeing it, if I went out and bought a copy because it was the only way I was going to get it because I was determined to cover Dead Ringers and I watched this movie, I would probably bin it, but <laughs> I, I would I would rather try to sell it to somebody first because I'm like, it's at least worth a watch. No. Uh <laughs> <laughs> I nearly made Colin choke in his drink. Um, this is a this is a bin, and uh, having seen Crocodile Dundee, I can tell you this will um, definitely remain in the bottom two. Well, um, this, I'm yeah. going to say the same thing. This is going to be my in my bottom two, but I'm putting this ahead of Swinging Safari because no. this movie has some brains to it. Swinging Safari. It's it's just as pointless. This that cat is very distracting. <laughs> looking at my Please. pussy. Please, yeah. yeah. Um, Safari again. There's a lot of enjoyment. You can probably enjoy it. It's an easier movie to watch, but it's a movie that doesn't have a point to it, and it doesn't go anywhere. And this, it sort of goes somewhere, and at least makes you think. And Swinging Safari, definitely no brains involved in that. So but that's the fun of it. Uh- <laughs> And the fun of this is seeing Jeremy Irons giving mouth to mouth to Jeremy Irons. <laughs> uh, so you're putting Swinging Safari ahead of this. I'm Absolutely. putting this ahead of Swinging Safari. Come on. But we're both convinced uh, that uh, you know there's a better movie to come. Which what is to come next, Ben? Oh, that's not a movie, Colin. That's a movie. Um, I I I I'll be honest. I'm like that bad Australian who has seen Crocodile Dundee once. I think I watched <laughs> it in high school because you hear about this movie and how iconic it was and how big it was for our country and not just for movies, but for the country in general. I mean, this set up a, a an Australian obsession basically from the States, like the, the amount of uh, money and tourism and everything this movie brought us in the eighties, you know, we'll talk about this. So, I mean, and I think to this day, it remains the most successful Australian movie of all time. I don't know if Australia did outgross it, but I think Crocodile Dundee still is. And I mean, <laughs> Did people see Australia? <laughs> Some people. Oprah did. Um, but um, <laughs> I think, like, I mean, I think didn't Paul Hogan win a Golden Globe for this and he went on to host the oh, Oscars yeah. after this? Like, I mean, maybe not the Oscars. It was huge. It was, it was massive. I mean, Paul Hogan was as big as they came after this film. So um, I felt like this is a movie we have to do. Um, and I've only seen it once and I remember seeing it going, that was fine. Like I, I, I wasn't yeah. blown away by it. It it was very just like cool and like but I mean this could be like the elf effect. I I'd only seen elf once and all of a sudden I loved elf. I could watch this and go, fuck I love Crocodile Dundee. I remember seeing the third one, which got a lot of shit, and I was like, That's kinda of silly stupid, but it's okay. I don't know if I've ever seen Crocodile Dundee too. But um yeah, I, I'm intrigued to see this again and and put a watchful eye over it because I feel that when it comes to iconic Australian movies, I've never held this up there as much as some people. It's like if we ever did Gallipoli, I don't really like Gallipoli. I think that's kind of a shit movie. Oh, um, I like Gallipoli. I've never seen Mad Max. I've never seen some of these iconic Australian films. What? So, But Crocodile Dundee is probably as most iconic as you come. And uh, I, I'm looking forward for Mallory watching this with me because she still does not get the, that's not a knife, that's a knife <laughs> line. And I feel like even if you haven't seen Crocodile Dundee, you know that line. Yeah. Um, but we will soon see. So, uh, and I expect you, Colin, in the week to be training by doing that thing with your, your little finger and your thumb to, like, put to sleep a, a buffalo. I try and do that with my cat all the time and he doesn't fall asleep. So, you know, it's a bullshit lie. Um, 
this movie was big before I really understood what movies were. But I do remember, like, it it stuck around a long time. I can remember uh, probably years after even Crocodile Dundee 2 was out. And uh, they sold the knives in stores, like toy knives. And another movie that I, you know, was too young to watch, but everybody knew was Rambo. And it was sort of a thing like you had this knife. Are you going to be Rambo or Crocodile Dundee? (laughs) Uh, I never saw this. Even as I got, I remember Crocodile Dundee 3 coming out and thinking, oh, I really should watch these Crocodile Dundee movies, but not getting around to doing it. It probably wasn't until maybe a little over 10 years ago when I watched Crocodile Dundee for the first time. I don't know if I've ever seen the sequels even. Uh, but I had the same reaction to you. I watched them like, yeah, that was good. I don't, I don't know if it's a classic, but maybe it holds up better, you know, uh, a little over 10 years later. But uh, it, it it was good for what it was. I had no complaints about it. It's just not something that I was absolutely crazy about. It's, um, I wonder me, how Australian it is. Because like, I feel like uh, this is one of these movies where Australians are probably going to be like, yeah, not quite like that. It's, look... I, I don't think it's like with you and Dudley Do-Right how you're kind of like, oh, this is offensive where all Mounties aren't like this. Like, I think this is what we were sold to the world as and I think kind of this is just... It's like how the Crocodile Hunter became a thing, right? Like that's just yeah. this picture that people have of Australia. And um, I mean, this movie is based on a real person. I don't know if you knew that. Like Paul Hogan took <laughs> this from a real-life person and basically just, you know turn it up here and we'll talk a lot about paul hogan's history paul hogan's kind of got a history like eric banner like sort of whereas i mean eric banner kind of went more dramatic when he went to hollywood and paul hogan didn't really change but like paul hogan was a massive television star in australia like he had a uh the paul hogan show it was literally called that like it was a <laughs> sort of a sketch comedy show in like the 70s and 80s and he's basically this story of him he was one of the workers that built the sydney harbour bridge to becoming arguably the biggest star Australia ever had at that point. So I think from what I remember this movie, it's very stereotypical Australian, um, you know, and, but this is the thing, you go to parts of Australia and you're going to meet people like this. It's like, if you go to parts of Canada, you're going to meet the stereotypical Canadian. There's a reason why these stereotypes exist because they do exist. Um, And the parts of the country that this is set in, like the Northern Territory and that, like you're going to meet people like this a lot of the time. So one thing I'll say too, like we've talked a lot about this on some other episodes, I feel like I like that fish out of water style of, you know, movie. Mm. And the, the fun bits I remember of this film is when he goes to New York and like he's, you know, having all these moments and trying to fit in and all that sort of stuff. So, and true story, uh, the the main woman in this film, Linda Kozlowski, uh, she married, they were married forever. Yeah. Um, and I think it's only recently they got divorced. <laughs> so mm-hmm. um, they met, fell in love in this film and uh, yeah, only recently. And I think, didn't this also go on to be one of the most profitable films in the history of movies? Like it was made on like a mega oh, yeah. budget and obviously made a shit ton of movies, a shit ton of money. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. It was, it was one of the highest grossing films that entire year too. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, is there a new version of this? Is there a new version of it? Yeah, okay. because I, I saw this, I think it was on Amazon Prime uh, the other day, and I'm looking it up right now, a movie that Paul Hogan just made called The Very Excellent Mr. Dundee. So, okay, so uh, recently, and we'll probably talk about this more next week, um, there were two things that sort of came out that people thought there was a reboot. So there was a, they teased this sort of commercial for this a couple of years ago for the Super Bowl, and they're like, oh, my God, there's a new Crocodile Dundee coming out, and it turned out to be a tourism ad for Australia. And it was, like, it was very clever, like um, like Hugh Jackman played the Prime Minister and like I think Paul Hogan had like a little cameo in the background and Ruby Rose is in it, who cares about that? But like it's, <laughs> it's quite funny and clever. But then, so I, I was actually going to talk about this because I'd actually like to see this movie. I don't know, is it out now, The Fabulous Life of uh, 
the Mr. Dundee or whatever it's called. It's it's kind of like yes. a um I think like a, a a parody sort of, you know, like a a being John Malkovich kind of where Paul Yeah, it looks like he's playing himself. Yeah, he basically I think plays himself and he's like an aging actor and basically he's like he does something wrong like and then he's got a really bad reputation so they're trying to like make it better again so like it's got like Chevy Chase in it and like Olivia Newton-John and John Cleese I think like Wayne Knight's in it um like it's got like and they're all playing themselves I I saw the trailer for it it actually looked kind of funny um but I haven't seen it so but looking at the reviews it doesn't look like it has very good reviews <laughs> so yeah uh, well, I'm sure we'll get there in 2030 uh, when we do Australia Canada Month that year. But yes. uh, we're going to wrap it up with Treed Murray, a very little known movie that'll be easy to find on YouTube. Uh, but other than that, we don't have much else coming out. I mean, I think we got another month after this, maybe some movie reviews if we can catch something interesting. We did review uh, Gerard Butler doing a decent disaster movie, um, Greenland. So check that out. And Oscar season's coming up, so once uh, those nominations come out, we can start getting those uh, movies where Wonder Woman and uh, Tenet end up with Best Picture nominations. Yes. Uh, and Kill Phil 3. Lots of exciting stuff to come <laughs> from great director Ben Waterworth. Uh, join us for... What? Huh? Huh? It's true. Oh, that was very loud. Sorry. <laughs> uh, thank you for joining us. My name is Colin, and uh, Ben and I both like Italian furniture. And my name is Ben, and tell me about my uterus. Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast by Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at theoznetwork.net. Thanks again for listening, and we'll speak to you next time. Oh,